to stand for the reading of God's Word. It is Psalm 91, verse 2. We will say it together. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning. You woke us up. You have provided for us every day. Whether we realized it or not, You did. Lord, You have given us sunshine this week. You have given us rain. Lord, there's also been trouble. There's also been stress. But Lord, we come to You for that's not to be in our DNA. Lord, we come to You knowing that You're over all, that You're sovereign. And that through Your Son, Jesus, we find our place at His feet, for He is the head. May we as a body be one and unified together. In Your holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Alright, if you'll remain standing, please, we're going to sing The Family of God, 16, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the next verse says that He did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to redeem that which was lost. That's the motivation of Christ, and that's the motivation of us. 386, Brethren, we have wet, wet tours.
there today. Christ will gird himself in service with sweet men of all of them. What is it talking about when he's speaking about sweet men? You know, I remember reading in Exodus where it talks about the people of God leaving Egypt. And they were in the desert. And they cried out to God for food that He would provide for them. And guess what? God provided. That was the man. And I actually, I think the word manna means, what is this? You know, it's surprising that God actually came for them. It was nothing that they ever expected. They couldn't even put a finger on exactly what it was. But God provided. And I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. And He will provide what is needed for His children and His kingdom. I'm going to ask that you'll stand with me. We are not having an offertory this morning. You'll be able to do that on the way out today. I'm going to ask that you'll stand with me and we're going to sing Everlasting God 121.
started looking out more south. Going, oh, but anyway, it was just part of what we had to do to come back home and enjoy our stay. I heard y'all were in good hands. And um, you know, Carl Fortenberry did a great job. Um, graduate Mississippi College and just continues to share his faith and uh, enjoy the conversation that I had with him. I um, also want to remind you that the baby bottles are due as soon as possible. Um, you can leave them in the vestibule. There is a basket to put them in. Uh, I know Sharon is out in the parking lot. If you need her to come pick them up, um, please give her a call and she'll be glad to do that. But they are due. I want to read a scripture to you. It wasn't even um, wasn't going to do it, but uh, but after singing that last song, it reminded me of the verse, and I lost my glasses, but it'll be alright. The scripture says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth. Sound familiar? Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we just got through singing the Scriptures back to God, what He has so graciously given to us. If you would take your copy of God's Word, and look with us, or look with me, in Philippians chapter 4. For those of you who are in the parking lot, you didn't understand, I didn't have my glasses. I guess I need a command strip to put up here on my forehead, and that way I can just post my glasses so I'll always know where they are. But anyway, I do have them now. Before we get into this scripture, I know we need to have special prayer for the funds that will be going to the Lawrence County Center for Pregnancy Choices. I know the name sounds kind of awkward. Um, is to draw people in for missions and ministry, young ladies who are struggling with the pregnancy that she is in. Um, we don't want any baby to be aborted. And this is a ministry that Lawrence County has been part of for some time and has allowed us to be a part of it as well. And we want to be in prayer for them for the lives that will be impacted of the financial support that we'll be able to give and maybe supplies that they can pick up or for whatever need may come about. Also, once again, to pray for our country and to be in prayer for the nation to whom we love so much. And knowing that um, it's not in the best of circumstances, what is evil has manifested itself. And so we want to be in prayer for our country. So at this time, let's spend some time in silent prayer. And then I'll lead us in a corporate prayer about the baby bottles and for our nation. So a time of silent prayer.
Heavenly Father, as we come together and those who are still praying, whether it's downstairs, whether it's in the nursery or outside, Lord, may the words of our mouth and meditation of our heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. We know the grass withers, the flower fades, but the the Lord blows upon, upon it, and men are like grass. For the grass withers and flower fades, but Your Word stands forever. Lord, this country needs revival. This country, Lord, needs Your mighty hand upon it. Lord, as You, as Father, Son, and Spirit are one as believers, we will be one as well. Whether it's here or some other continent, for whoever calls upon Your name, Lord Jesus, shall be saved. Lord, we know that it's only You that can change a human heart. It is only You that can transform a person out of the kingdom of darkness into to Your love. It is only You that is ransomed us. It's only You that can forgive. It is only You that can transform us more into Your likeness. Lord, would You please unify this nation. Your Word said righteousness exalts a nation that is sin is reproach to any people. Your Word also says blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. And Lord, we have gathered here on a large campus, whether inside or outside, to agree together that You are our Lord. You are our Master. You're the One who is sovereign over all. We're no longer slaves to unrighteousness, but we are now slaves of righteousness. That we're owned by You, sealed by Your Spirit as a deposit to, to recognize that there is more to come. And we look forward to the more to come. Lord, would You give the mayors, would You give the governors, would You give our president and vice president the wisdom that each one needs from You to carry out the task of which You have appointed to this government. May they protect the people, protect the innocent, and then bring judgment to those who are guilty of doing evil. Lord, You know our hearts. You know our minds. You know what shapes us. You know what stresses us out. But Lord, we come to You. We have no one else to come. There is no other God before You nor beside You. You are our King. You are our Lord. Lord, we also pray on behalf of Lawrence County Center for Pregnancy Choices as they minister in Your name in order to preserve human life in the womb. That these funds that are sent to them will not only from this local body, from other believers as well, that Lawrence County would be a good steward of Your money, and to be able to minister to the, not only to these ladies, but to the young men as well who are involved. May Your hand of grace and mercy be seen in For us in Your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And the church said, Amen. If you would take your copy of God's Word and look with me in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6-9. through I had a passage of Scripture that I was going to preach out of and as I began to talk with a buddy of mine, a pastor friend, and began to talk earlier in the week about uh, what was transpiring in our world, in our country, and I thought maybe it was a little too heavy. And so maybe next week I can um, edit it a little bit more, shorten it a little bit more to maybe one or two verses. You know, allude to the other verses, but what I was looking at and what I came to was Philippians chapter 4. There is an emotional trauma or an emotion that is in our country and has been there since the beginning of COVID and got a little bit stronger as the time went on and then um, this emotion began to manifest itself in many different ways across the country. 
even into the area where we live in our state or county. You can listen to people talk. You can watch it on TV. I just finally just got tired. I know what they're going to show on TV. I just read it on the web. And I just stay away from much of the TV as I can. I want to be informed, so I go to the Internet and read what I need to read. But this emotion is anxiety. And in this anxiety, it's an emotional pain. It's an emotional pain that restricts life. It not only restricts life, it limits life. We talked about this emotion outside uh, back in May when Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, cast all your anxiety and cares upon Him because He cares for you. So an undivided mind and a hindered mind will be a troubled mind. It causes uncertainty, worry, fret, nervousness, stress, anxiety. Uh, this anxiety is an automatic reaction to a threat, whether it's real or whether it's imagined. It also can spread to other people. And in spreading other people, we find it in the Old Testament that God confronts this. For those of you who don't want to go out and battle, go home. For those of you who are scared, go home. He would say that. Because he knew that anxiety is, is like a virus that spreads among the people. Just as faith is a spiritual matter that can spread as well, but in a godly way. We also find with this anxiety, it diminishes a person's ability to think clearly. It also can be acute or it can be a chronic. It can be ongoing or it can be a one-time deal. I'm willing to guess it's not a one-time deal. It also causes low threshold of pain because when someone is anxious, they're looking for someone else they can jump on board that will give them some type of balance or comfort. That's why if you get them in a group, they're feeding off each other. We find that with anxiety, 85% of the brain is for rational thought. 15% of the brain accounts for emotions. Did you catch that? God has designed our brain that for 85% of it is for be rational thought and 15% only for emotions. We've talked about the gospel train before where you have the Word of God as the engine and then faith follows the Word of God that says in Scripture and way on back and some of you are going to say What's the caboose? Well, that's the caboose or our emotions. However, when you get an anxious group of people or an anxious person, it hijacks to the front of the train and that anxiety pushes and pulls the train. Instead of being the Word of God and being faith, it is our emotions. 15% of the brain that is designed to be used for emotion now becomes the driving force instead of the 85% that is for rational thought. That's why we need level-headed people. That's why we need a lot of people in the U.S. to go on vacation. That's why we need a lot of people in the U.S. to go to work. Because there's so much anxiety in our country and they're all thinking on one another and then they all move in the same direction in the wrong direction. And not I'm not just calling one thing, you're like, well he's talking no, I'm not he's talking about no. I'm just talking general. So with this anxiety comes a low threshold of pain because in that pain they're trying to push off or you're trying to push off on someone else to get the pain off me because it's causing me some anxiety. It's restricting my life. But also anxiety wants to blame others. It never wants to see what the problem is inside of an individual. It affects our mind. It affects our emotions. 
So it affects our thinking, it affects our heart. Anxiety is unduly concerned about everything or about anything. And so with this anxiety, look what Paul repeats what Jesus has already said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and verse 28. Jesus said, this is the Son of God, the Son of Man. God Himself said this, do not worry. Not only did it say in verse 25 that Matthew would worry, he'd say it again. Do not worry. Alright? This is what Jesus says. You and I pick this up pretty regularly. Some of you pick this out and you have the Bible out and you scroll. But it's God's Word. And based on God's Word, this is our belief system. And this belief system is what governs our life and gives us faith because this truth connects with the Spirit of God inside because this is the Word of God, connects with the Spirit of God in us to direct our belief system, our attitude, that changes our action. So either we're going to take what God says as His Word or we're going to say, I'll think about it. And that would be sinful. Because once again, Jesus said, do not... It's okay, I promise. Worry. And we're all guilty of it. So with this anxiety, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, from a Roman prison, chained to a guard, writes a letter of joy to the people there in Philippi, and he says this, can you bring up Jacob or Sarah, what it says in verse 6 there, I'll move around a little bit. Say it with me, church. Be anxious for everything. Oh, I'm sorry, this is what it says. Be anxious for what? Nothing. Okay, nothing means what? Nothing. We're smart people. We're smart people. Anxious for nothing. Zero. Zilt. Nada. So Paul comes out. He said, when you want to deal with this anxiety, you need to have a right prayer life. So right prayer. So this is the first point. Right prayer. Be anxious for nothing. But then he goes on to say, but in what? Everything by what? And what? With? Let your be known to God is either sovereign over all, preeminent in your life, or He's a little L-O-R-D. Paul says here with right prayer, he says here, be anxious for nothing. Speaking about this emotion, this harmful emotion called anxiety. And he said this begins with your right prayer. So, he says earlier in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Then he moves into verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He's using all these synonyms to say the same thing. Pray. Take what is bothering you and lay it at the feet of Christ. Take the crisis and give it to Christ. I remember an individual said this years ago, prayerfulness is our declaration of dependence upon God. We are coming to the Father knowing that He is Creator and that He is sovereign and He has revealed Himself in human form in Christ who is God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Holy Trinity. And then we bring to Him the very things that bother us and the things that don't bother We bring everything to Him. So it's prayers. It is supplication, those specific requests. Those other requests, but also thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an attitude of gratitude. 
that even after I get through praying, I'll still have much to thank God for. I know this sounds kind of ridiculous, but have you ever just spent a time of thanksgiving to God? Lord, I thank you for the washing machine and dryer. I thank you for AC. I thank you for fans. I thank you for a comb. I can't use one today, but thank you for them because some people can. Thank you for a deodorant. Thank you for mouthwash, toothpaste, toothbrush. You think that's just insequential, that's just insignificant, but it's not. If we didn't have toothbrushes and toothpaste, we'd have to go to the pine tree and get the pine needles. Or we'd have to use some form of baking soda. So it comes with this gratitude to God based on this heavy anxiety. Anyone ever been anxious in here? Liars? Maybe we need to go talk about lying. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. You know what it's like to be anxious when your train of thought moves from rational thinking to emotional thinking? Your blood pressure goes up. Your heart rate goes up. You've got to get some type of balance so you're beginning to move to different people. You're texting. You're calling. You're trying to call in people to yourself in order to alleviate the pain so you can feel better. Push anxiety on them so you don't have to live with it. But you and I have to take ownership of our own anxiety because it belongs to you. And then he goes on to say here, be anxious for nothing. That's zero. Nothing. Take what is strangling your mindset, limiting your mindset, choking the life out of you, that's not allowing you to think clearly on the things of God. Begin to pray about that and begin to memorize scriptures that deal with praise. Take the praise of the prayer instead of the crisis of the prayer. So this is our right praying. Then he goes on in verse 7, not just to add something to it, and the what? Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your what? Hearts and through Christ Jesus. People in the world who are not believers, who may be very religious, do not have the peace of God. Only believers can have the peace of God. And in this right praying, we bring the anxiety to the feet of Jesus to pray, to bring supplication, request, also thanksgiving. And this is what he's wanting to add to it as well. As a result of this prayer, and of this pray comes in the peace of God, the very one who has the source of prayer, or the source of peace, and the giving of peace. And he goes on to say here, Paul does, will guard your hearts, your emotions, and your minds and your thinking through Christ Jesus. This verse here in verse 7, that word guard is an interesting word. It's a military term. Is used of a military force station, maybe as a fortress or a garrison. Philippi had such a setup in which a fortress was inside the city of Philippi. And what God is saying here, be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Don't be sinful in this anxiety. And as you pray, the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard. It will be that military force that will guard your emotions and your thoughts through what? This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is. Taking every thought captive to Christ. See, the Christian life, not only is it a transformed life, it's a whole totally different of changing the mindset. And so we have right prayer that moves into this right thinking. So look with me what it says in verse 8, these whatevers. Finally, brethren, sisters in Christ, whatever 
things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, what are we supposed to do? Meditate on these things. It's changing the mindset from what the world is saying out there because tragedy sells, bad news sells, but we're not of the world. I had a bummed out day about two weeks ago. I mean, a bummer. I mean, it went south in a hurry. And I got mad, I got anxious, I didn't know if it was a spiritual attack or if I was just, just mentally give out. And I, I was needing to just go ahead and leave. I knew I had some days to go. Tanya's like, have you seen this video? So I want you to go watch this video. So there's this guy out building a fence. And he is not a preacher, but he's a born-again believer. Maybe you've seen it. And for the whole time, he's asked, what are you talking about? That was his title of the, the talk that he was giving of what are you talking about? And he began to share one scripture, another scripture, another scripture, another scripture. All this just deluged engulfed with scriptures. And when I got through, it was the Word of God that was coming out of his mouth that was connected with the Spirit of God inside of me, changing my mindset that I'm not to live like the world who is anxious, but to live like a believer whose mindset is on the peace of God. This is something that we battle every day. Some people battle it more than others. But it is a battle. It's all in here. And it's putting the Word of God into action. I like what someone wrote about the verses that we just read. Verse 8. It says here, summing it all up, friends, I, I say you all do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, Things to praise, not things to curse. This past week I'd eaten a really good meal. It was good. I had meat and three vegetables. Big old large thing of unsweet tea. I had to learn I couldn't eat myself into diabetes. And so I got through eating. I turned on the radio AFR. And there was Brian Fisher. And I was listening to him. And it, I don't know if it was this passage but some passage, actually I think it was a passage out of Psalms he was talking about. And he said that whenever his son and daughter was growing up in their house with his wife and himself, that uh, at night time he would have prayer with them, but he had always asked them the same thing. What good thing happened today? What good thing did you get to enjoy today? And he didn't share what specifics, but... I don't know about you, but I've had an ice cream sandwich sometimes that was really good. I've had some peach cobbler that's been really good. I've seen some wonderful sunsets. I've seen a lot of sunrises coming out of K River, Mississippi, heading to New Orleans three years. I've had some good bike rides. I've seen some godly things happen in my midst that I've got to be a part of. I've got to eat some some good food, and I've got to see some good godly things. And that's exactly what Brian Fisher was saying. Take something throughout the day that is good and turn it into a praise to God as a thanksgiving of what He's provided for you. That's what we think about. Whatever is noble, whatever is of God's standard, whatever is real, sincere, genuine, authentic, whatever has moral excellence, whatever that is praiseworthy that is of God's standard, think on those things. So we have right prayer. We also have right thinking that now leads into right living. So look with me what the Scripture says now in verse 9. Thank you, Seth. The things which you learn and receive 
and heard and saw in me. Talking about Paul, these do. You're like, well, why would he say that? Because they were not walking around with the entire copy of the Old Testament or the New Testament. Philippians was one of the four prison letters that was sent out from Rome. So they had Paul with them and had this apostle who had seen Christ on the Damascus Road. They were receiving first-hand revelation from God through this apostle. So he says here, what you have learned, that word learned also is connected to the word disciple. They were not only learning publicly, they were learning privately from another believer. They were learning, and you can learn something, but that doesn't necessarily mean you receive it. You've heard a message today, and you've already made your mind up when you walk out the door, you're going to follow through with God's Word and do what He says, because number one, it is God's Word, or you're going to continually do it your way. So they learned and they also received. They made it their own. They accepted the truth as the truth of the Word of God. And they heard and they saw in me. Paul was letting them know that there was no credibility gap between the message that he preached and the life that he lived. What you have seen what you have heard and what you have seen in me, these do. But there's something else in this verse. For the second time, second time it says this, Paul does. And the God of peace will be with you. Not only is he a fortress, a garrison, that protects your mind and your heart, your thinking and your emotions. But He's also the same God who will give you peace and will be with you. On a morning headed to Laurel to read power meters, I had left Wall Springs. Ice on the road. Cars have been pulled off. You can see ice. And then I came across the bridge. My little red Ford Ranger began to hide the plane, began to fish tail. And not one time that was I ever afraid. Not one time did I fret or worry. Because what does it say? Peace. In that moment, I kid you not, it was peace. Instead of being buried 101, wound tight to a pair of vice grips and the WD-40 cannot loosen, I was at peace. Because God had me. Whatever's out there is out there. It doesn't have to be in here or in here. Don't allow what that is negatively to affect your life in an ungodly way. We can't affect, we can't make other people do things, but with the power of God, it's Jesus that can change life. And God has probably done some amazing things throughout this whole pandemic and everything that else the rioting and the looting. There's probably stories that we'll hear for years that will come up that only God could do. God did. So if you'll bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. For those of you in the parking lot, those of you may be in the nursery or downstairs, those who may see this broadcast later on, As you bow your head and close your eyes, as you think about this terrible emotion that it's not godly, it is sinful. And the one who is speaking has been a part of it but is combating against it through the Word of God. And the peace of God is with me.
and also the peace of God is what builds a fortress to protect my mind and emotions. And He does that for all believers. Paul was incarcerated in Rome, in a Roman prison, chained to a Roman guard, and experienced more freedom than people did in the Roman world who were living free because he had freedom in Christ. On the road to Damascus, Jesus knocked him to the ground. A light blinded, which was the light of the world, which was Christ. And Christ asked Saul at that time, his name was, why are you persecuting me? It was in that moment of time that Saul had a transformation. He went from being a sinner to a saint. He went to being away from Christ to being with Christ. He went from being God's enemy to God's friend. And it's what Jesus said at the beginning of His public ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To come into the kingdom of heaven, it has to be a change of a mindset. A mindset that was once full of sin, a slave to sin, now to be transformed to a slave of righteousness. Christ went to the cross, became your substitutionary death, died in your place, and paid your sin debt and his wife it clean, would you ask for forgiveness? For those of you who are here who have confessed your sin before God, professed Him to be Lord and Savior, who are now followers of Christ, would you confess silently to Him your anxiety? What pulls your trigger that makes you be anxious? And what happens now in this moment is that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. For God in His peace is with you. Would you be involved in right praying, right thinking, and right living? Lord, your word says that you will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are set on you. Lord Jesus, we love you. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Because of being physical distance of what we're having to go through in this day and time, if you need to talk to me about a decision that you need to make, you can do that after we have our um, scheduled business meeting. Um, you want to follow through with anything, Ryan, at this time? Oh, my gosh. Come on, bro. I mean to put you on the spot like that. Ryan Brooks, um, got to carry on a conversation with he and his wife and mother-in-law, I believe two weeks ago. And outside, I know Tanya and I have already visited you and Marley some time ago, over a year ago, and, and got talking outside, and Ryan prayed a prayer of profession of faith to make Jesus Lord of his life. I told Marley at some point, I don't know if we're going to have to baptize. Hey, we didn't hear y'all out there. Go ahead. This is great. I love that. But um, if you'll have a seat, brother. But thank you. What's the mind of the church? What do we do? And amen. And we'll follow up with baptism, whether we do it in a trough outside or we come inside and do it in the baptistry, whatever. But um, isn't that wonderful? See, I knew that was coming. You didn't know that was coming, but I knew that was coming. 
and be able to share that good news with you.